You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, where the doctor stands. Can you hear us regular now? Yes, I can. Probably don't include any of that in the in the podcast, though, because I don't want to get fired. I you are not, didn't. You are... You're Good. not coming through your microphone. Do you know that? I oh, do. Yeah, you're you're I know. Okay, you're I hearing want... me through your built-in. Okay, I just wanted to make okay. sure that you knew that we're not that we're not hearing your microphone. I we're know. Hearing the computer. Okay. I okay. Know. Very well. I do know, but I'm hearing my microphone through the monitor out on the Zoom. Very well. That's good. 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 In any case. Hello again. Hey. We're back. Vocal fam. For real. We are back. And actually, it's the old crew. Michael is back with us today. Yeah. Per a request. Um, Indeed. Uh, so welcome. This is Michael's first time back on the pod uh, here as part of Nat's cast. Nat's cast. Nat's yeah, cast no, needs okay. its Michael own. Michael around to make jingles for everything. Yeah, we need a, jing- we need a Nat's cast jingle. I feel like Nat's cast, the jingle, would be like the THX sound, but it would just be Nat's like, cast. Nat's cast! Yeah. <laughs> I could edit that moment out and just make it the jingle. <laughs> Including me saying I could edit that moment out and oh make it goodness. the jingle. Extraordinary. Listen, it's so good. But if, if Vocal Fam, if you've not uh, checked out the other shows that are part of Nat's cast, we just want to encourage you to check out Full Voice, which I had the great pleasure of being a guest on about two weeks ago. Uh, and check out Full Voice Podcast with Nikki. Check out New York Vocal Coaching. Check out The Holistic Voice. Uh, check out their feeds. Check out their back catalogs. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, and you can just learn more on the Nats website if you search Nats Cast one word N A T S C A S T. Comes up pretty quickly. It comes up pretty quickly. So, because uh, the Nats SEO is pretty good on the website, so isn't it so great to see? I just love the, the honestly, like <clears throat> not just trying to plug a thing, but honestly, I, I love that there's a variety of perspectives. You know, oh, definitely. Like, yeah, like well founded. But, ver- but varied perspectives, you know what I mean? Like approaches to things and the ways, you know, just like we think about voice in one way, you know, even amongst the three of us, I think we think about voice a little bit differently. Oh, of course. You know? I mean, we're and all I think, people, but yeah. well, and I, cause I think about, you know, like, I'm sure you guys had the same experience and like, where like, it, at least as kids, middle and high school, you heard like, this is the information about voice and this is just how it is. This and is then the as an law. Undergrad, and as undergraduate student, it kind of was that way, too. This is the law. Exactly. This is the voice law. And so it's like like a deep. If you don't take a deep breath, it will literally kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if, don't, <laughs> if you don't take any breaths at all, you might pass out. You know, yeah, you will. You might literally die if you're not breathing. That that but is fact. You'll start breathing again after you pass out. So unless you die, if you, you don't drop your jaw, again. if you don't drop your jaw, it will literally 
kill you. Uh-huh. It was like that kind of stuff, though. You know? I can promise <laughs> I never said those words. No, you didn't. But in high school, it was that way for sure. And yeah. so uh, my you point is, you drink I, milk, you'll never be able to sing. Exactly. If you, I've, I think I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but I will never forget the first time I did a Messiah gig with with Nick's wife. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be so good. She's gonna. I was like 19. It's like I'm gonna. She's gonna be so impressed with me because we went. Because we went to this place in the middle of nowhere. Because Michael was gonna only, drink water. The oh only restaurant God. that oh was there God. was like a Hardee's, and I was like, I'm gonna get like a plain biscuit and water because I don't want to be bad. And then I so I order, and then then Mandy walks up and is like, it's like, yeah, I'll have a fried chicken biscuit and a Dr Pepper. It was like 10 in the morning. I was a fried chicken biscuit and Dr Pepper, and I was like, anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the conclusion I came to was, I can eat whatever I want and still sing. Wow. And I know that maybe I took that to the extreme in the following years. But... Anyway, so Vocal Fam, we're back. And uh, while we're talking about all these sort of maxims or or dogmatic things that get... We were talking about challenging dogmas last week, remember, Sarah? With Josh on on Picard PhD segment, we were talking about challenging dogma. Um, today, today's sort of focused topic, um, and, and normally I don't necessarily bring topics when it's just the three of us, unless we're talking about a movie review, but I I did because I've been thinking about it a lot in studio again, and I, there's just some things I think it'd be good to put some information out there. Um... A lot of this is experienced-based, so I guess um, things that I've put together through the years in studio, whenever I'm going to say something that I've heard from another person, I'll try to give them credit for it. Um, But today, we're talking about the tongue. Like no too. one has ever had a problem with their tongue. So there we go. Let's just move on. Now we've talked about it. We've brought it up. And uh, so was that it? That, that, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Surprise. That just was need to say episode. the word tongue. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. So what are some of the things that you guys probably have heard said over the years? Uh, just sort of that fall into almost the categories of things we were just talking about sort of like you must drop your jaw or you must have a low breath or, or I, those are the two things I think you mentioned. Um, uh-huh. But like what are some of the other things about like in that sort of vein that you've heard about the tongue? So this is an interesting thing because I actually had nobody had ever referenced tongue tension around me until I was like in pedagogy classes like, nobody in a lesson with me had ever been like, oh, you have tongue tension or, oh, I have tongue tension. So that was actually not something I experienced until more recently. <laughs> Odd experience, kind of against, I think, the norm. Because I've definitely run into it now, like, oh, my students have it. You know what I mean? Like, I hear a lot of singing teachers talk about it more than I ever experienced it from the other side. Well, if you spend any time on any online voice teacher forums, you've definitely seen a multitude of posts regarding oh, singer gosh. X, 17-year-old, yeah. 
soprano, horrible tongue tension. We've tried every trick in the book. Nothing works. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's been since I really, like, got to the other side and did kind of join these forums and things like that, because I wasn't in those as an undergrad, that I really started hearing people talk about it more than I did just when really studying my own voice. Does that make sense? I think for me, because, you know, because Sarah, Sarah and I went to different undergraduate institutions. That's true. Um, uh, since this is a new era with the vocal, with the, with the Nats cast, um, you know, I, I had, I had, uh, Nick for undergraduate voice actually, uh, and then followed him to Mississippi. So we've, it's been a, been quite a journey. And so not so much from, from Nick, but from, um, I think, you know, a bunch, you know, a bunch of undergraduate voice students who don't know anything, all talking to each other, trying to sound like they know. Oh yeah. It it became. You have tongue tension. I have tongue tension. We all have tongue tension. We all need to make sure our tongues are not tense. So what can we do? Here's the things that we do. Let's do all this weird stuff. And just basically what it turned into was like, is my tongue a dead fish? And <laughs> is it in the front of my mouth? Nick, you're looking around like you can't see or hear me. Is this the case? No, just I just had a poor connection warning, but it went away. Oh, oh okay. Just wanted to make sure. And yeah, see, I think I was in an area that was more. And since y'all both have been here, you you might kind of know what I'm what I mean. I feel like people were more like, oh, breathing. Like I was about that to makes say, sense? like was, the area yeah. I came from was much more like breathing centric and. Yes. Um, I feel like centric. Yeah, I feel like your I feel like your undergraduate experience is one hundred percent. It was is like the breathing people, so to speak. Yeah. So I wonder if you know, is it just kind of schools have their own thing, areas have their own thing, individuals have their own thing, maybe. Individuals have their own thing. Well, but I definitely, like you said, I, I definitely have seen a lot of people who tout tongue tension. Can I just and, and I, go, go ahead, ahead, Michael? I but I want to come back to this point about individuality with a thing. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, what I, what I was going to say was, um, I think that it is easy. I think this might be actually what you're about to say. You know, so like I have had legitimate issues with articulators. Yes, um, I can verify res- that that is a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, I think it's easy for me to go. Oh, I understand this issue, even, regardless of whether or not necessarily I did at certain points when I would say that to people. And I'd be like, I understand this issue, and it's definitely what's going on with everybody else, you know? And there, I, that was a perfect tie-in, Michael, to what I wanted to say. And, and I think that's the point. And, but even, I would take what you said a little bit of a, stif- a slight different direction. I think that... The way these things end up becoming sort of the centric thing of anybody's teaching oftentimes is in a moment where they've been building their voice as a singer. And, you know, with teacher X or Y, they sort of got their breath straightened out or maybe their posture. And then they evolved a little bit more. Maybe they switched studios or maybe they were with the same teacher and they sort of got, they were getting their, you know, basic vowel shapes sort, sorted out. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden their voice with like one more direction, let's say anything, 
let's say let, let's say the, the uh, placement a, a, a thing like a concept like placement mm-hmm. let's say all of a sudden they switch teachers or they were in a master class or something and someone mentioned placement uh-huh. and all of a sudden a light bulb turned on and their voice seemingly coordinated almost in this big lightning flash jump. Yes, that makes sense. I think the danger is oftentimes when then that person who, again, had been building their breathing and their posture and they had been building their vowel resonances and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden had this lightning bulb moment when somebody said something about placement... All of a sudden, it's very easy for that person when they start teaching to make the assumption that it was placement that fixed all their problems that they had been dealing with, when in reality, their gestalt instrument had been Mm -hmm. being built by all of those things and all of those teachers. Yes. But the thing that finally gave them sort of a feeling of coordination was then the moment where uh, th- that they draw back to in their teaching. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think sometimes the way these sort of the way anything becomes the thing is that usually it was like the last thing for a voice to coordinate, and then that person in their yeah. teaching turned it into the thing. That like this that, is it, right? This is what this is what will solve everybody's well, problem. Well, and it's it's even like even if you just go back to the idea of like. Because I think people can even have the level of self-awareness of this won't fix everyone else's problems necessarily, but they can go, this is what fixed my problems, even though it didn't really. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like where it's kind of like which. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what it sounds like you're saying is people think A equals Z, but it's really A plus B plus C, C plus D plus equals this final result. Yes, but people just think it's really be like Y equals Z, the last thing equals z you know but really those things added together to create that that sum sum total but as a researcher i would say that causation does not equal correlation or correlation does not equal causation well and and i think that it's it's interesting here um you know like there's a diagram remember and we've talked about this concept before of interconnectedness of the system you yeah. know, the re- the resonance, the breath, they all work together. And like any one of those items, like singing takes so much coordination. There's so much going on that any one item out of place, you know, can cause the rest of the system to be out of place. But if multiple things are out of place, even if you have the right vowel shapes and your phonation is poor, you know, if you have the right resonance yeah. and your phonation is poor or or you still have this other issue or you have, you know, or you just stand poorly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it might, even though this thing is getting fixed, it doesn't really seem like it's gotten fixed. Doesn't seem like it helped anything, you know. Well, and there's a point to that in the idea of um, uh, motor learning too, just with the idea that when you're in your first phases of learning how to do a thing, it's it, it you actually have to think about it. For oh my a gosh, while. I literally tell that to my students because, you know, they're like middle and high school. Mm-hmm. I have to tell them all the time. I'm like, no, no. I was like, until you relearn this, I was like, you are going to have to actively think mm-hmm. while you sing this song about doing it. 
and right. and and I think the 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 research on that, if I'm correct, I forget where I heard this. Forgive me. I haven't got. I got Lynn's book. I haven't had a chance to read it. Um, Vocal mm-hmm. fam, if you've not gotten Lynn Helding's book, uh, definitely want to want to recommend it. I haven't had a chance just here mid semester to really dive in yet. Um, but the, the the musician's brain, um, Lynn Helding. Um, we're gonna actually have Lynn on the podcast in April uh, to tell Delightful. us about it. But um, uh, anyway, I, I can't remember. But I think the idea is that when you're in that first phase, it takes something like six to ten weeks or something like that. I mean, you know, there are, I think there are non-obvious reasons why college semesters ended up being 15 weeks sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they weren't just because they became what they were. Anyway, all right. So, uh, so some ideas about the tongue. Let 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 let's break this down. Uh, actually, what I sort of want to do first is point some folks to some references uh, to learn things about the tongue. Um, I uh, I don't know. A year ago, maybe I bought Claudia Friedlander's book, Complete Vocal Fitness. And it has some, one, some really nice drawings uh, regarding the tongue. Uh, it has th- talk things about stretching um, the different muscles uh, and how to coordinate them. And I, I love one of her statements really on early on, which is uh, the fact that she, quote, page 63, the tongue is among the most effective multitaskers in the human body. Uh, and it's responsible for tasting and swallowing food, verbal articulation, and keeping teeth clean. Uh, that is uh, Claudia Friedlander and Complete Vocal Fitness. thought about that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's trying to clean, uh, his, clean his teeth. I never considered my tongue as integral to keeping my teeth clean, but I suppose... It's but nature. imagine if you had... If you had something stuck in your teeth that's, and that's you didn't true. have a tongue, because I mean, what do you instinctively do? You go, get out of there. Uh, right. I'm going to use my tongue, yeah. And I think I'm really there's... glad that we're not a video podcast. This was all very I, yeah, I'm really glad people aren't watching <laughs> yeah. us right now. But there's a, there, I, I love the fact that it sort of points to the idea also that we really have a tongue to help us eat and swallow. Oh, I mean, yeah. from yeah. a. <clears throat> survival first kind of standpoint right um it wasn't even really about communication and then i think it's also just important to remember the idea that for for decades at minimum if not a couple centuries maybe uh man probably decades um we voice teachers and pedagogy writers certainly richard miller talked about this a lot about the idea that so much of classical singing coordination to maintain a stable vocal tract, basically lower laryngeal posture, convergent resonator, thank you, Ken, is is about um, releasing the swallowing muscles. You know, now, here's the thing. With this the glasses idea, are off, people. With the it's idea happening. of... They don't even know. Well, I, th- I, I, I want to bring this up now because I kind of want it to be our take-home point at the end of this. Okay. At no point anymore, I, I, will, I will confess as a voice teacher, there was a phase of my teaching when Michael was an undergraduate where uh-huh. I was about releasing the tongue. Yes. But as Michael would also confirm... 
no longer do I talk about that. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I don't think anymore that singing is about releasing anything. What singing is about, sort of as Michael was alluding to with the idea of the system, is coordinating the system. And yes. this applies to the tongue, which is its own system. Yes. The yeah. tongue is a comp. Look, vocal fam, the tongue is not your dorsum. Your dorsum is just the thing that happens yeah. to move around inside the oral cavity. Your tongue is a complex system of muscles some of which help elevate the tongue, some of which the dorsum, some of which help retract it, some of which help stick it out, um, some of which help aid in, in, in the larynx not rising, some of which help mm-hmm. in the larynx rising, some of which affect the palate, uh, the soft palate. Yes. Mm. You know, the point is, this is a complex system of muscles from genioglossus to hyoglossus to styloglossus, palatoglossus, geniohyoid. I mean, and, 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 you know, half of them end up attaching to the, you know, hyoid bone, which is a problem in its of itself. But and, anyway, so I just wanted to have that as sort of our forefront vision of where we're going. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I want to say... Okay, so a couple a couple thoughts that I have there. There's just so much. What you said there is so good. I remember it was actually, <clears throat> I think it was, I, I think it was actually in graduate school. It wasn't an undergrad thing. It was a graduate school thing. It has to be. Um, we were. Uh, I remember it was a really life changing conversation for us to have. Um, for you, I remember you saying almost exactly what you just said. Of this is about coordination. Like, okay, you have jaw tension. Who cares? You have tongue tension. Who cares? It's about coordination. Stop worrying about this. And it, it dawns on me that I think even maybe like at a psychological level, I had kind of absorbed this message of I cannot be successful as a singer unless I have this kind of vague sense that my jaw and tongue and my face and every part of tension in my body is gone, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it really helped me to uh, to realize like, like it made me go like, oh, I, I can have singing success without, quote unquote, releasing my, t- you know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. weird oh, ethereal yeah. goal of re- release my tongue, you know, on that note. Um, well, I'll come back to that. I have, a, I have a different point about raising the larynx. So we'll come back to that. So. Sure, sure. Well, and just the idea, like, I don't know, in my experience, the more I find myself thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to relax. I'm going to relax. Do you want to know what I'm not doing when I'm thinking, oh, I need to relax? (laughs) Is I am, like, more tense than I've ever been in my life. And I imagine that that rather applies to the tongue as well. Also, just while I'm on it, while we're talking so much about our tongue, um, this is totally whatever. I'm very aware of my tongue right now, and I'm having that sensation where you're like, uh, how does my tongue ever fit in my mouth? Like, my tongue is yes. too big. Somebody yes. send help. Well, just, just wanted to throw that out there. I have two thoughts about that. You sort of hit on one of the points I wanted to make today, again, as sort of a take-home, honestly, which is the moment, and Michael, thank you for the, you know sharing that sort of perspective that you shared but that's the idea that the moment I stopped telling my students that they had tongue tension or even ever bringing it up and addressing it in any kind of direct way, mm-hmm. there, the, I, I realized that we could you know, go about dealing mm-hmm. with it so much more successfully. 
Well, I remember us talking. The, the, the exercise, I actually said it in that group text, is that is the glicka glocka da glicka that whole bit. But at first it was glicka glocka, and it was way too hard. I think the first time I ever saw that exercise written out was in Matt Edwards, So You Want to Sing Rock and Roll. And I think he attributed it to Genie. Levitri, but it, I might be wrong. A, I, for, I, I meant to bring a, So You Want to Sing because of that exercise. I meant to bring mm-hmm. a cop, my copy home and I forgot. Um, it's a great exercise. And I remember we didn't talk about tongue tension. We didn't talk about anything. It was just, but like, you know, I'm smart enough that I know this is what's going on. I can't move yeah. my tongue. What's going on? It's a tongue coordination thing. And I think that that's a, it's like, it made, I remember having the thought of like, and this was way after the fact, after like kind of got it going, it was like, okay. It doesn't matter if, quote unquote, do you have tongue tension? That that approach, that line of thinking, not that helpful. What's helpful is, can I accomplish this skill? If yep. I can accomplish this skill, then who cares what the rest of it's like? The sound is right. The the, the coordination's right. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, you know, so what I do, just vocal fam, so you can practice this exercise at home. The way I do it is I'll do... Um, a little four note scale first, and I'll just have them go glick at a glock at a glick, glick at a glock at a glick, glick at a glock at a glick as a little four note. You could even take that and expand it to a seven note, glick at a glock at a glick at a glock at a glick. Um, but then I'll also have them do that while they lightly bite on their finger so that at the same <laughs> time the tongue is having to do its coordinated actions, the jaw can be basically passive in the process. Um, then then I'll take them to what Michael was essentially just d- doing and I'll do a descending five note scale and I'll do glick at a glock at a glick at a glock at a glick and then I'll have them throw in a vowel alteration and go glick at a glock at a glick at a glock at a glick so it's glick at a glock at a glick at a glock at a I'm having like PTSD moments over here. Like I'm like I'm having like a flashback. But at no himself. point. Oh my I god. Mean, and 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 if we if we even bring up the physiology in the exercise, it's honestly mostly that I'm talking about dealing with the the essentially the feeling of what the jaw is doing and sort of its passivity mm-hmm. in a way while yes. we do the articulation um of of the of the pattern um i've been dealing with that a lot particularly with some of my new um contemporary singers um which it's just sort of where they were at um and it's really been helping us find some better vowel shapes and and just find some some more coordination again because it's about coordinating the system really right yes well or i think another thing we always talk about is sort of efficiency and you know like like you were saying, the passivity of the jaw, that that's something that I find a lot of my students who are maybe more into music theater and that sort of thing, they they kind of get the impression or I can tell they have the idea like that the more they enunciate the words and like the more I move my mouth, then the better I must be doing. And I'm right. like, OK, but you're working really hard for this. Like, let's calm down, guys. And, mm-hmm. and just so sort of a similar thing, like we want it to be efficient. You know, you're talking about leaving your jaw passive, moving mm-hmm. your tongue, but like doesn't have to be too much. I don't know where I was going. Yeah, with this, but no, but that's efficiency. A, good. But that last point you made too is huge. I think it doesn't have to be too much. We're not talking yeah. about these big, dramatic, drastic changes to life. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Um, and I think that I think that because of some of the psychological hang-ups that we have about something, you know what I mean? Like we make this into this huge thing that 
Maybe it's not to the degree that we think that it is. Um, I think we make it this huge thing. And then we're like, well, then it must take an extraordinary amount of effort. Because I think it's yeah. a natural thing to go. We feel like we I should have, have to, have to work harder. hard. Yes. 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 Like it should be hard. Like the idea that I shouldn't, ha- that it shouldn't be hard, that I shouldn't have to work hard. That's so hard to get your mind around. Except there's this interesting duality to that as well, that it's also not just having a tongue that's dumb. Oh, well, yeah. Right. There's a poise to it. This you know, is guys, because oh, your in- tongue is just dumb. First of all, you could, as Heidi said on her episode a couple weeks ago, you could choke. And, yeah. And secondly, oh this is not good resonance. I will if say, guys, it, move at all, this is not good resonance. In all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> as I laugh, this is exactly why you're as beautiful as you'll ever be and you can dance <laughs> is my catchphrase. Okay. <laughs> I want, just want you to know that that's basically my catchphrase now. I think. All of my students have heard me say that at some point, and I just just know that. Just go out or there and say, you're as beautiful as you're ever going to be, and you and can. you can dance. Because honestly, like, <laughs> for the new people in the vocal fam, that's, that, it's, it's a thing. Just go back and find it. But but the, the thing Way is, back. it's something I used to say before going on to stage. Before going out on stage, that's what I would say. And it's because it's like, this is on, like, I'm just sitting here thinking about this now. It's like, it's easy, but also I'm poised and coordinated. It's like <laughs> that kind of sense. And it's just stupid and funny enough that it keeps me from getting in my own head about it. <laughs> That's right. So, honestly. <laughs> Another great so. source that I want to point people to, just thinking about the tongue, because this totally flipped. Honestly, this was a transitional thing for me. Uh, when Ken Bozeman sort of presented his thinking about remapping the tongue structure was a big thing too. He has an article um, in Journal of Singing in the Voice Ped column 2015 on remapping the open throat, remapping La Gola Aperta. But then he also talks about it in Kinesthetic Voice Pedagogy. All right, I want you to do something, vocal fam. Take your left hand and put it out as if you were going to shake somebody's hand with your left hand. Then take your right hand and put it sort of flat like you were about to pet your dog. And then if you take your right hand to your left hand, that is how most people map the jaw being the hand that's shaking and the tongue being the shape or the other, your right hand being the shape of the tongue. This is how most people will go about demonstrating what vowel shapes look like with the tongue. And so they'll take their whole hand and they'll like move it up around. Now, this may be how you currently map your own tongue as a shape. I want you to change it. I want you to take your, your left hand, leave it as it is, take your right hand and make a fist. A, a vertical fist and now take your wrist against your left hand this is actually a better map mind map of what the tongue structure is actually like in relationship to the jaw let's go ahead and say that nick is going to make a video on facebook that's going to be about a minute long oh. showing what he's doing because he's people doing have it. no idea what you're doing right now that's true, that's true. i I'm actually thought about how like, to, to imitate it and i'm like this doesn't seem right 
can't be it. No, that's not quite it. so hard. There's something wrong with either my hand or my fist, or maybe it's my wrist. Well, anyway, the point is the tongue structure is more like this, you know, vertically shaped fist than it is like your flat hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It, and if you look at any diagram, that's evident, mm-hmm. particularly if you actually look at a, some of Brad Story's images of 3D MRI of the of the vocal tract yes. and from the side and realize that the negative space, how much of that negative space underneath is the tongue structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to realize a couple of things. One thing that you start to realize is we spend so, uh, we, voice teachers, I no longer do this, voice teachers spend so much time talking about the tongue needing to maintain some kind of position in the front of the mouth, particularly oftentimes with relating the tip of the dorsum to the lower alveolar ridge of the jaw. Like where the teeth touch? Yes. Okay. I would like to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my mic away. Well, here's what I'd like to say. <laughs> I am now a big proponent, actually, of purposefully asking my students. I try to avoid physical directives a lot, but mm-hmm. one of the physical directives that I've moved to with a lot of my students is actually asking them to not have the tip of the tongue against the jaw. And and there's a there's an acoustic reason for it. If I am going to sing an E vowel, if I'm going to sing an A vowel or any quote unquote linguistic quote front vowel or even ah, I do not need to shape my mouth so that the tip of my tongue is against my lower teeth. It what but one of the things that I've heard all of my faculty colleagues practically at NEC Acoustic Voice Ped Workshop, particularly Chadley and Ian and Kayla and uh and I've heard Josh talk about this and Ken, all of them, is the idea of somewhere along the vocal tract having a friendly or beneficial narrowing of acoustic space on e as is evident in any mri or even x-ray image that narrowing is between the tongue hump the tip of the middle of the tongue and the roof of the mouth as it pretty much is for an a vowel and oftentimes even is for ah Although I'm going to come back to Ah in a second because I, I also want to talk about Carrie Obert and her tongue stuff with singer's format a little bit. Um, but Wait. Hold on. So okay. here's the thing. But if you're going to take that tongue posture with the hump of the tongue staying essentially in its relative position, but you need to sing a higher frequency, what you need to have happen is you need the jaw to be able to release, right? Okay. Watch my uh-huh. mouth. You see where my tongue is? 
No, they can't. I'm talking to you guys. <clears throat> yes, I see it. It's further back. Now, if I okay. if, now listen to what happens to my frequency if I just try to do that, but I try to take the tip toward my teeth. It, it's lower. Yes, which does not allow the coupling of my second vocal tract resonance and my third vocal tract resonance that needs mm-hmm. to happen on my E vowel, particularly as I go higher. There's in, in the right posture. Y'all just listening. Here is here is here's now. Now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start there, and I'll take my tip down. Now. So if y'all are just out there listening, I, I am. Sorry. It is one thing to be able to see. I think you are going to have to make a video. Ken, to go you need to make this. a video. Hold about on. This stuff. Ken Bozeman actually just put a lovely video on YouTube about his chiaroscuro whisper. I would encourage you his. to go watch it. Um, But if I try to sing an E going and not, I'm totally losing my second vocal tract resonance. And the chances that I will have efficient phonation <coughs> because my my resonance is so shoddy, essentially, is very s- small. Anyway, this was a long way around saying I would encourage people to explore allowing their tongue to sort of rest against the roof of their mouth and move their jaw independent of that like this. They still can't see they still you. Can't I, see know. you. I know. I'm you know. I'm not making a video of this. It sounds like you don't. <laughs> no, I know. It's okay. But vocal, vocal fam, I would encourage you. Just He's use moving it. his jaw a lot. Use a mirror. Shape your tongue in an E with the sides of your tongue up there toward your middle molars. And then just try that and moving your jaw up and down while leaving your tongue where it is. So I'll do I'll do an exercise tongue. now where I'll even have him do that and then sing the same pitch. Now, yes, go ahead, Michael. So, just in terms of directives for a student, what what do you? I mean, like, okay, so like I have a guy who I, like came in. He all of his evals were kind of nothing. There were there were yee, you know. And so was he actually shoving that, his tongue that far front in the mouth like you just did? Yeah. Yes. Like basically he sung as he sung as a, as a young, like a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old. And then he's 28 now, but his tonal perception is still like he's 13. Mm. So oh. very interesting. Mm-hmm. So the, so the issue is, is that instantly he goes, he gives me like a, like a blended vowel. He gives me, you know, yeah. Give me, give me, you know, mm-hmm. and so how? Yeah, but that's that's direct- losing that's losing it too, because that's losing the right. that's it's- losing the relationship between the tongue hump and the roof of the mouth. Right, because and this is this is I think maybe in a more general sense we'll say uh, I think like this is a great example of like people need to re- like the the importance of remapping their tongue. Yeah, because his image is of one of this flat thing on a track that goes forward and back. You know, You're right? Yeah. And so, Which is a, okay. So, this is another thing I wanted to get to today. I remember a Nats chat a number of years ago 
with Scott McCoy. I'm going to say this was, I don't know, six years ago, something like that. And I remember the tongue coming up. And he made a nice statement about the idea that he knew people who sang well with a groove in their tongue. He knew people who sang well with a flat tongue. He knew people who sang well with an art high arch tongue. Um, uh, and I great. think I, I will say that the groove thing yeah, I've right. noticed is more... Uh, uh. I, I find that, that there are just certain people yeah. whose tongue does that when they think of certain speech-based yeah. sounds. Um, I, I, I've, I've seen fewer people who sort of on purpose try to gain that. Um, but It would be hard to try and do that purposely. It, it, it is. If your tongue doesn't want to go that direction, it, it's, it's difficult to get there. Um, that's too much work. But he made work. the comment, Scott made the comment that really in the end, the tongue, sort of about our coordination point, he said the tongue is really about it being fluid. And and I think there's a nice point to that. I mean, you know, the idea that the tongue has to be fluid, it has to be coordinated. It Look, you still want, there is a desire still in singing to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. we need oh, yes. to be able to have the best resonated sounds, which obviously mm-hmm. we know that. But also, there's the goal for clarity of communication. Um, and, and, and I think that, that that's an important thing to remember whenever we're talking about the tongue, sort of, you know, going back to your student you were just referencing, Michael. You know, the idea that we certainly don't want anything that will distort clarity be you know now now obviously as sarah would tell us any treble singer as they're going up the treble staff (laughs) is giving up certain degrees of clarity right oh yeah oh yeah right Mm -hmm. um particularly with with e and u obviously which Mm -hmm. have such a low first vocal yeah you kind of give up on those fairly quickly right Right, because try, 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 to, try to even just take Mada and, 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 and model a nice male E vowel and then try to sing a high C with it, have a, a, a soprano high C, C6, and see how well it works. <laughs> Would, no, don't, don't really do that. This is, this is happy early April Fools. Don't do it. <laughs> will hurt. I could do this it is, right now, but anyway, go ahead, Michael. This is actually... Um, this is actually making things. I had, I was writing a couple of things down as we were talking. Um, in the middle of all this, you know, the talk about coordination, um, kind of a, a question that I think inevitably comes up regarding coordination, motor learning, and in the middle of it, trying to be musical. Mm. There's this question of how much is too much to think about. It's it, because yeah. with even the student we we're just talking about. Um, and I've actually had a couple of students think this and I've had to slow way down just because I know that I'm young and I think about, and my brain is very active just as it is. So like I'm young, I move too quick. I just came out of a graduate degree. All this stuff together makes me go, you need to do 15,000 things. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. So, I, I find myself with that. And so to go, you need to have the right breath and you know, this, 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 and the re- resonance and the stuff and the tongue and this. Oh, and by the way, I also need you to mean every single word that you say, you know, it's yeah. like. Which I know is inevitably the singer issue, but it's it, 
What talk talk about that? In, well, in regards okay. To the, so in regards one to of the things, tension. one of the other things that I got from Ken is the idea that uh, uh, of trying to motivate sound through affect <clears throat> or emotional content, and mm-hmm. with good acoustic result. And I think that that is a way. I, actually, I should have I should have I, I said this earlier. With all these guys that I have started to actually work on some tongue coordination, mm-hmm. I'm in semester two with them. I didn't do any of that in semester one because semester Ooh. one was about trying to use emotional affect to find vowel shape. But with a few pesky mm. vowels with each of their voices, we didn't get there. Mm-hmm. Whether I just didn't have the right emotional directive to make their brain kick their vocal tract into the right yeah. shape or whether whatever there also comes a point where at some point you just have to be like that's not ooh i need you to be able to sing an ooh mm-hmm. and so, so I, I i would say michael to your point if i have a belter just having them go hey hey is one of the best directives I've ever given. Mm-hmm. And like they're calling yeah. to a friend a fair right. distance away. Be- yeah. and, 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 and it gives them an immediate something to hold on to and gets the vocal tract coaxed into the right shape. And I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, convince them about any kind of sound that we're trying to make. Because I think there's also, anytime you're dealing with the tongue, I think there's the danger of trying to create a sound. And one of the things, as Um, both of you will confirm about my teaching, is that we, if anything, I I will rarely try to get them to make a singing sound, but we will make noises that are unrelated to singing. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that. I have a friend who's an occupational therapist uh-huh. um, and she, I, cause I mentioned that thought to her. She asked, cause she was asking about voice lessons on the sure. She was like, how much would that cost? All that stuff. And I mentioned it and she said, what would we do? And I said, well, a lot of times we just make noise even from a speech level. Yeah. Um, you know, Hey, which, which goes know. back to, let's just give credit where credit is due. I mean, most of that speech level singing goes back to either the Estel school or the speech level singing thing and the Seth Riggs people. Anyway, moving on. So she said, well, Michael, it's fascinating that that works. I wonder what's happening in the brain because the, the sing, so singing and speech happen in two completely different areas of the brain. Um, and she's had people who come in with a traumatic brain injury who are incapable of speaking or understanding speech. But if she sings to them, they understand. And if they sing back to her, oh, they understand. Fascinating. It's fascinating. It, and so it's, it's it's why I think sometimes it's very easy for someone to make that sound at a speech level, and then when they try to sing, they go into like you know quote unquote singing, singing mode. Yep, yes. I talk about it all the time. You, know? you guys know. Yep, yeah. yep. That's and fascinating. So just, and so honestly, it make I think it's part of why like you know Sarah, I think you would agree. Like I, I think, and Nick, I think you would agree that your teaching is I think very connected to like honest emotional connection. You know. On it, like, and, and just honest communication. And I'm just wondering about, I don't know, I'm fascinated right now about the, the connections that are happening in the brain 
that like with that that transfer of skill. Well, we'll so. have Lynn Helding on in April to tell us all about the brain. <laughs> oh, you got to ask her. <laughs> uh, and I'll try to remember this moment right here, vocal fam. Anyway, I'm trying to remember uh, if there was anything else I desperately wanted to say about the tongue. Um, I don't think so. I think so. one of Go your ahead. big things is, in fact, that just you don't want to think about it too much. Because now we've talked for a while now about all the different things we do with the tongue. And yet, at the end of the day, I think from what I've noticed the most from your teaching is just that you still really don't put that much emphasis on it. Like, no. you don't address it much. Like, if, mm-hmm. yeah. I that's try the not point to I address to it unless to. I think I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I so think. Oh, is that that was um, kind of the point that I felt like we wanted to come back to. Like, we've talked about all these things about how we do deal with the tongue, but. At the end of the day, I don't think any of us really address the tongue that much well, in our personal right. It's very much, honestly, I put it in the same category as breathing. Mm-hmm. I'll address breathing. It's, a, <laughs> it's obviously an important part of the singing process. Just like obviously your tongue is an important part of the singing process. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and if a student like obviously present, like if, if there is some issue that you're like, we literally like cannot do anything else until we address this problem. Yes. Yes. Then yes. like, yeah, then I, there are. I have one of those in my studio right now and mm-hmm. he is doing some good singing. There's some, there's some good singing happening. Okay. Yeah. Just came off some successful performances. There are good. some good things happening. Mm-hmm. But his low F1 vowels or FR1 vowels are not what they need to be. Hmm. E and O are just not what they need to be. And I've had no choice, but I've tried every other trick I know other than actually just dealing with shape. And mm-hmm. so and sometimes I've, that's <coughs> what it takes. Yes. Well, I have a you know, stu- go ahead. Oh, you, go no, ahead, you can go on. You can go on and send them. This uh, isn't was- even the tongue. I was just going to say, I think it's so, I think the statement you made, Nick, of like, of like, there's great, there's some good singing happening. Also, his tongue is not doing what it needs to do yeah. is kind of the the bow on it all. You know, like, like, you know, I think even in my own singing, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, that's kind of, I was just thinking about this the other day. I've been singing real twangy lately this year. Mm-hmm. I've been exploring all things twang, which has been great. Right. Um, oh, the, that reminds so me. Po- Finish, Michael. The pro the problem is and so like everyone as you know as I'm exploring new sounds I've been like oh um my tongue is getting in the way of some other aspects in an attempt to find the twang you know oh. I'm just doing some other stuff I'm like oh tongue you don't need to do that thing but yeah, it's not straight. it's not like the primary you know what I mean it's it's like it's not your it's, first thought it's like every once in a while you're like oh hey whoa my tongue yeah, is doing I'm, I'm like, thing here right but it's but yeah 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 but your it's every just, waking just, thought isn't now my tongue shall do this exactly exactly and, and i think that that is probably a good balance i ho- i mean i hope so that's why i'm think, trying <laughs> to think that like way a like balance. a good balance of things where it's like it's like where it's like okay yeah every once in a while this is something that needs addressed but it's not like okay the key to singing well is getting my tongue to do the Right. Thing. If I hold my tongue perfectly poised, then I will never make a bad sound. Just not, and no, yes, no. yes, and I think that yeah, there's a lot more I could say there, but I won't. Um, the thing I had forgotten, I wanted to go back to. I'm glad you said twang, Michael. 
There's some oh. really interesting stuff. If you go back to Carrie Obert and Chadley Ballantyne did a Nats chat Nats a chat. year ago, year and a half ago, uh, called getting the twi- getting ago. the twang of it. Maybe a year ago. I think it was about a year ago, like January. It's on YouTube. January, um, February. And with Kari, who's going to be on the podcast here very soon. Hey. Um, and, uh, but, um, Carrie Obert has some really interesting sort of theories about using the tongue to narrow the pharynx to generate singer's format or what she refers to as low twang. Um, I, 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 I'll let you watch the video, um, yourself, but I imagine she also, I think Carrie has a series of videos out called get vocal now or something like that, uh, is her mm-hmm. online presence. Um, and you could, you know, check that out. I know it's a, like a subscription service or something, so you'd have to pay for it, but, um, but it's worth checking out. Uh, Carrie's been, mm-hmm. you know, scoping people and, for 20 years and making observations about singers and their tongues and their vocal tracts and their laryngeas and whatever. Mm -hmm. Some very interesting things to consider there about the relationship of the back of the tongue to the pharyngeal wall. Um, and, and of course what role it in narrowing may play with the constrictor muscles of the pharynx, uh, in order to generate some of these more high frequency Mm -hmm. noises, um, yeah. So I, there's the, there's some interesting there's some interesting things there. there yeah. I think there's probably still more work to be done. Um, mm-hmm. But isn't there? Yeah, al- I think isn't, isn't there the always process of looking at it. I mean, there's yeah. always more work to be done. So I yeah. Mean, that it, I did that. Uh, just as you were saying something, that made me think of the one one other thought that I had. I think that we can't talk about the tongue without remembering that it is in fact a muscle. And, and a bunch of. of muscles, a series of muscles rather, you know, um, and just, in, I mean, thinking about, about, you know, our, our conversations on circumlaryngeal massage and address the tongue in that fashion, you know, like that has been personally, honestly, the biggest thing for me after going, Oh, I don't need, like, I can still be a success. I can still be successful at singing without dealing, without like releasing all the tension ever. It was Oh, maybe I just need to massage these muscles. You know, like we think of singing in such a conceptual, swirly, spiritual, ethereal way that we forget like, oh, maybe the muscles just tight and you need to grab your tongue and pull it a little bit. Well, also, I mean, (laughs) voice teachers have been doing things like taking your finger and jamming it up into the base of your tongue to massage it. For forever, forever, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, who oh, yeah. in the world knows who the first voice teacher that ever did that was? Um, uh, so, I mean, don't think that that's like anything groundbreaking. Right, it's not brand new. But yeah. that is part of our laryngeal manipulation protocol. Um, mm-hmm. Part of our protocol video is getting into the tongue root. I mean, as Sarah will remember. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I just think so many times we talk about the, we talk about releasing tongue tension and we talk about singing exercises, you know, mm-hmm. we talk yeah. about, uh, you That's know, true. how do I release the tongue? Well, I do, you know, you know what I mean? Whichever. And, and but we if don't... you legitimately have like built in just underlying tension. tension, then you might need to do some sort of massage to relieve that tension. If it's like yes. a real, like your tongue is constantly tense. Right. 
sort right. of thing. Well, and if it was a thing where that was extreme and you found yourself in a lot of pain, we would encourage you to get medical advice. And because yes. oh, you yeah, may yeah. have some don't, muscle tension, don't just take our word because for if it. you're <laughs> experiencing pain in your neck, you may have some muscle tension dysphonia going on, and we would recommend seeking professional medical advice. Which is not us for, for that. Uh, you may need some actual physical therapy or some speech therapy. I mean, I, we don't know. Um, we're just saying know when to recognize your your yes your need yeah, for hurting help. is bad yeah, if pain, you hurt. Pain we'll is not something someone. you should be experiencing in your neck. Severe neck pain is... No. It's a sign. Something. Something's up. Yeah. I suspect a strangle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, okay. Um, oh, yes. The Pavarotti video. I suspect a strangle. I suspect a strangle. Um, okay. Very good. Uh, That's in the cover not. video, isn't it? The Pavarotti, yeah, the cover video. The cover oh, video. The, 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 it's in a position of rest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. Uh, okay, Vocal Fam, sorry, that was a lot about the tongue. We're moving on. Um, so if you're just here for the voice stuff, you can peace on out of here but sarah and michael and well, i have you can some... listen to some awesome doctor who talk yes because let me just tell you i think that series 12 of doctor who is nearing i'm not ready to go there yet but is nearing my favorite series of new who um it hinges really? on these last two episodes uh, you mean of from eccleston onwards yeah oh five on yes that is a bold claim, a sir, and I am aware claim. that you're not fully making it. I yeah. think you've been dazzled by the last two or three episodes. I was going to say, whoa, it's whoa, been whoa. a good series, but I, I don't think you... Maybe I'm wrong, but Spy I feel like if you went... Spyfall oh, 1 and 2, I think, are as good as anything. Okay, the Spy ones were good. Oh, yeah, Spyfall 1 and 2 were good. The last, like, two episodes have been really good. But, but I feel like great. the excitement from those might be making you so excited for the direction it's going in like that you're overlooking at some of the weaker episodes some of the past seasons we've had uh, that's just me though and it might just be that it's not certainly my second favorite season interestingly i feel like this season it's interesting you say the statement you made this season feels more like classic doctor who actually i do agree with that it, it reminds me a lot of what i feel like classic who probably was well because i've watched a bunch of classic who mm -hmm. and it is it is slow not in a bad way but not slow, a bad way it is slow creeping kind of very thoughtful it's not an action show well, know? and very much like you're either learning about history or maybe some science or maybe both, which I feel like right. this season has had a lot of either it's a historical episode or we're learning about something from science. And, and I don't and, mind that. Right. And it's it's I th yeah, it's it's not, you know, guns blazing, you know, Matt Smith bluffing, <laughs> everybody's bluffing. Just and there are Daleks. Giant poker game. We're Not on, that I don't like that also. I like mean, we're on right. we're on Demon's Run and we're about to find out that River is Melody Pond. Exactly. Like that was absolutely an action show. And this is yeah. not that. And it's good. And it's good. It's it's you know. But it different. is not those like it's almost two separate things, and you kinda have to yes. think of it as that. There's I like new who and then new new who. Whereas I have felt like this series 
is so, I don't feel like this series has been Moffat era who. No, it's been a little bit like Russell Who. It feels a they lot like RTD a Who like to Russell me. Russell Who, I'll buy that. It mm-hmm. feels like Russell T Davies years yeah. of Doctor Who. It feels much more like like we're going to go see Agatha Christie and solve a mystery. Yes. And I'd like to say, can we just talk for a minute about oh my gosh, that moment where the doctor she looks and she says she says, the hierarchy of this team is not so flat sometimes, huh? And I'm alone, and I have to make the decision. Except I mean, just like, she didn't want to have to do it. Right, she didn't yeah. want to, but the simultaneous, the simultaneous, um, like, the sadness and kind of inherent hubris of the statement, while also the reality of I am the oldest and smartest person in the room by far. And most powerful, honestly. Yes. Like, if you're thinking about it like that. Yes. Well, because I I think there's this thing that we kind of on purpose forget about because we become attached to the doctor that we sort of forget that when the stakes are the highest, as Matt Smith said in the Cybermen episode where they tried to they tried to take over his mind, Mm -hmm. where he said at any moment I could regenerate and destroy all of you. Mm. Like, I think we have to always remember that at any moment the doctor could just regenerate. There would be a lot of loss of life, Mm -hmm. but Mm. we all know that in moments of regeneration, we see yes, some weirdness and a very confused doctor, but also some moments of supreme power. The most brilliant, and also I think they, be- I think the doctor becomes a human bomb or an alien a bit. bomb. A little for bit. A minute. Just the energy, really. Uh, yeah, all of that. Not that I think we're about to see Jodie regenerate. No, no, I don't either. Um, I think she's just coming into her own, and agree. oh man, is it wonderful! I like, agree. I-, I hate that it's taken two seasons to get there. Like, I wish this was her first season. But I almost don't think it could have been. I don't either. No, it, it really couldn't have been. You missed some story, but like, I wish, I guess I just mean I wish the writing, I wish we had gotten to this place a little faster. I would, yes. I wish, here's the thing. The first season, I think, okay, so you gotta, you gotta think back. It was, it, it's been, it's been Eccleston, Tennant, Moffat, Capaldi, all of these people together. You mean Smith? Matt Smith? Smith? Did I say Moffat? I meant you Smith. You did. <laughs> I meant Smith. Yeah, yeah. Moffat was not the doctor, but you know what I mean. Yes, he um, was. <laughs> secretly, yes, it was an autobiographical season. <laughs> it was but, six autobiographical seasons. You're correct. My point is this: is that after is that you know after all of that, I feel like last season with Jody, the the real sense was we are like I just I want to forget it all. Like the doctor being like, I want to forget it all and just be fun and young and something totally new. And it's like, so I think that that's, it makes, while I wish the writing had been better. And I think that there are places where it could have had a little bit more weight. The last season makes a lot of sense now looking at this season going, well, of course the last season needed to be like that. So, because this season it's like the doctor's past is catching up with her. You know? That is a good point. Well, and the whole, like, yeah, the emphasis on getting the three of them and being the, well, gosh, I can't even remember. I've, I've tried to block, yes, yes. I've tried to block that from my memory to the point I, I can't it. even think of it. I um, love it. 
But like, yeah, I see what you mean, though, trying to be just kind of young and having this group and we have fun. And no, we're all equal, except for when we're not. Ex- except well, and even, for when I have thousands yes. of years of a past and that catches up with me at some point. Even her, even her statements, uh, even like this season, it's been very different. Like last season, she really was pretty good. It's been like, I'm carefree and fun. Yeah. This season, She's everyone not. knows. Right. And they're all like, what's wrong with you? She's like, nothing, tell us everything's what's great. Wrong. Yeah. And she got, and I kind of wonder if in these next two episodes, if there, if she's going to realize, like, you know what? Sometimes you have to, like, if they really are your fam, yeah. you're going to have to rely on them a little bit. You have to let them know what's going on in your life, what you're struggling with, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Mm-hmm. It, could, mm-hmm. it has the potential, like, there's an opportunity there for some, some real life lessons done yeah. subtly, which is maybe something we haven't seen as much of recently. Yes, but, but it can be I, very natural. Yes, speaking of subtlety, so the most this most recent episode I thought was a beautiful example of subtlety. Mm. Yeah, it was amazing writing. Yes, I agree. I love the fact that they impl- like. I just I'm I'm totally in love with the fact that they clearly they make it clear they imply it to the nth degree, but they never come out and say that the lone Cyberman. Ashad, um, Ashad um, is the inspiration for Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, you know? right. I agree. I love that, and I love the idea because you see her trying to see his humanity, you mm-hmm. know, and then he throws it back at her. Oh, um, I know. I love. That got so me. I've been really thinking to myself, what an amazing kind of rewrite of history, in that then Mary Shelley is sitting there going. Well, I didn't want it to be that way. I wanted there to be an appeal to his humanity, you know? And I wanted it to work. It rewrites Frankenstein right. in an amazing way. I love it so much. Well, and it's a can, subtle can thing, I, like... Can I just oh, interject? On. Did you guys catch the fact that... I I got this from the Radio Free Scarrow guys, because I didn't know my European history well enough. Lord Byron is Ada Lovelace's dad. Yes, I wondered if there was going to be a tie-in with that. I've always loved Ada Lovelace, so I knew she was Byron's daughter. I wondered if there was going to be an interesting tie-in of visiting the daughter, the father, and anything like that, but I'm not sure there is going to be, since it wasn't really referenced. But if they bring back Ada Lovelace in series 13... There could be. I thought, um, again, with kind of the subtlety of it, like I liked sort of to me, this was a more subtle statement about our society, which, again, that's what I tend to prefer. Yeah. That, you know, we don't even need to force people to be these monsters where we have to strip away their emotions and essentially make them a robot. Like, if we um, show it to them as a way to become more powerful and play on the worst parts of humanity, they will do it themselves. They will mm-hmm. happily jump into the monster, become the monster. Yeah. And I thought that was such an interesting, like with the, you know, her, with him throwing the humanity back in her face, except that in a sense, like there is that baseness to humanity, like that we right. have that capability. That yes. one the, mon- the moment you're talking about where he was like talking I about killed- slitting his son's throat. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like he was happy, like he was okay with doing that if it meant that, like, and embracing becoming this monster if it gave him that power, right. if it advanced he, his power. He didn't, it wasn't the Cyberman part of him that it was chose to human. do that. 
that did it was this. a monstrous human part that did that. he joined this side because it was the winning side it was the powerful side and i enjoyed like i thought that was such a well done exposition of just humans and our just tendencies and so, a great rewrite of the cybermen so multiple yeah. for for long time who fans or maybe fringe doctor who fans this last episode introduced several new canonical things about the Cybermen that we're going to need to know for this two-part series finale. We've never heard of something called the Siberium before. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And the Siberium, did anybody else take notice that it looks like the time vortex in the credits? Yes. A the little bit. I hadn't the, thought about credits, it, but yes. a little bit. The Cybermen have never two. The Cybermen have never been able to time travel before. Yeah, they've specifically never given the race of the Cybermen time travel ability. But I'll bet you that they got it from when it was when the Siberian was in the Doctor's head just now. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I think he. I think they did, and then it's going to go back in time and well, do that. Well, it's always been a thing about, like, there have been episodes, both in Classic Who and Modern Who, about, like, the Cybermen trying to get into the TARDIS, trying to learn how to time yeah. travel, whatever. Mm. Because, essentially, they become, like, the Borg on Star Trek. I mean, if that's the yeah, case. Yeah, a little bit. Um, well, especially given this most recent episode, it would certainly imply that, that that's the direction we're moving. Yes. <laughs> And I and I'm one. I'm interested to see if this whole Siberium thing is part of is somehow related to the time travel. Fill me in on what you're talking about. I'm because I'm not a Star Trek person. Oh, oh, oh the Borg I are a that. next Star Trek, the next generation. The the basic theory, they're the big bad of Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm-hmm. and they have become a big part of Star Trek: Picard. Um, and they're hmm. robot people. They're, like they, they are assimilate a race basic. of robots okay. that assimilate other people's bodies, technologies, and cultures. But so the Cybermen. But they they're like Cybermen. But they yeah. themselves have no hierarchical leadership. The they are all one. Uh, they are networked like the Cybermen. Hence the Siberian. Like Correct. The Siberian is producing, it, there, there's yes. a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, there was one other thing about the Cybermen that that was is well, actually the nature of the lone Cyberman not essentially being a Cyberman but not being fully activated. Yeah. yeah, but just I don't need to be. And because he is the anger that's yeah. there is dangerous. Whoa. Yeah. Well, or like, did they learn, this is something I wondered, did they learn that they don't need to shut off all of human emotions? Like, did they figure out a way to just shut off love, the good, love, essentially? Yeah. Turn off the love, turn off our, our serotonin, yeah, so that it's just anger. The other thing I would say is this particular Cyberman has, and I didn't know this, this is other people's work, this was, I heard this on Radio Free Scarrow too. There are multiple eras of Cybermen gear all on that one Cyberman. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that. That's like, I noticed the, I noticed the that. left Which hand. Which is so much more Frankenstein. The ah! left hand is a Mondasian yes. Cyberman hand. 
the gun is a different era of Cyberman. The headpiece was a different era of Cyber. Like they're all different eras of Cybermen, all in this e- one Cyberman. Even the return of the Cyberships. That's that's something we've not. I don't think we've seen those ships in New Who at all. Uh, yes, in Maybe. in Demons Run, Can in it? a good man goes ah, to war. Okay, very briefly. When Rory, yeah. blo- when the Doctor blows up their entire fleet. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that's the only time. Yeah, because for a long, for the most part, it's the Cybermen take over a planet, you know, right. in secret or whatever. Not yeah, not we're we not Cybermen in space, right? So and so often yes. they've been, they don't exist. They exist. They don't exist. They exist. But as the well, doctor, I mean, like the Daleks, you know, like oh, I wiped out the Daleks. Oops, here's some more. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, like I, that's, I feel like that's both of them. I've wiped them all out. Oh my gosh, they're back! I will say that. Uh, did you, did either of you guys read um, Chibnall's interview from this week? No. Okay, he did an interview with Radio Times, and um, he is he would specifically like to bring back Amy and Rory. Would love that. I don't think it's going to happen. Although, I don't think it will either. Although, on ID10T, she said she'd love to do one more episode. I think it would be great. Do you think that they would be allowed to know she was the doctor? Oh, that would be a good way to play it. Like, they're with her the whole time. She never comes out and says it. But let's admit, oh, what we all really want is, like, well, beyond the fact that we want Jack to meet the Doctor. I mean, because... Yeah, that would be great. That's Say gonna, that's gonna happen. Share with me one that, love, one But lifetime. I guess next season. That's gonna happen next season. I also think that Chibnall and Jody only have one more season after this. I, I agree. So three, three series is really kind of where you have to cap it. It's, it's Chibnall's cap, for sure. And... Mm-hmm. And I don't and, think I think I think she goes. Okay, so just predictions. Last prediction: Do the companions make it out of this series? Maybe Ryan. I think Yaz lives too. I think I Ryan and Yaz think, both make it. Maybe I am but I not convinced Graham's going to make it out. If, too many conversations. If about- any of them are going to die, I do think it'll be Graham. And I don't like that because I love Graham. But I do think Yaz will live. And I love Yaz. Ryan's the one most likely to get on my nerves, generally speaking. But <laughs> I love Yaz. There's been Yaz a, is the best. Yaz. Yaz is the best. There's a, Yaz, Yaz is awesome. Of course, on the internet, there's a lot of the ship of Yaz teen. Um, Yaz 13, and... 13 and Yaz. Yaz team. Oh, then I don't see that at all. I can, I see I see why people would say it. Um, I can, I mean, well, who was Yaz but... talking about? Was she talking about Ryan in the last episode or the Doctor? Or the neither. Doctor. She was talking about one of them. No way. Wait, what are y'all talking? What, what what which conversation are we talking about with her? The whole thing where she went into you know wanting somebody to love her or whatever, and them not really. It was so reflective of Martha Jones, like yeah, I guess. But we haven't gotten anything up until now about her pining after I. But I thought I kind of took that not as a romantic thing so much as it was like a 
I just I'm so enthralled with this person. Like they're, they're not, not quite even human. They're so yeah. over. The, yeah, you know, they just won't let me in. Yeah, that's okay. how I took that. I didn't take it well, as a love statement. Apparently, at Gallifrey One, when that whole conversation happened, the whole room erupted. Huh? Because I'm telling you, the internet wants Yaz Teen to I'm be sure a thing. I'm sure they do. I totally believe that. I mean, I, I'm not, not surprised. You're I'm not, not surprised, surprised by the internet, in other words. No. no. Well, and I'm not, honestly, I would be <laughs> shocked if there aren't more ships. I'm sure there's a ship for, like, all kinds of crisscrosses. I'm sure there's a, a Jack and Graham ship somewhere. Oh, there's around. totally a Jack and Graham. Oh, Jack for sure. Ryan Silver Fox. Sailing around. It was, you know, the, the, but here's the thing. Jack and Graham's ship is just the old Cartoon Network show Johnny Quest. That's all. <laughs> um, that that might be right, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. That might be uh, yeah. Yes. That might be accurate. Yeah. Um, but Sarah, before before we uh, wrap up, Sarah, did you um, what do you think of this week's Picard? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't had a chance. Oh well, all I will say is, I think there's finally plot. I thought there was exposition up until now, and good exposition. But I haven't watched this week's episode yet. I haven't I, watched I, how yet. many episodes of Picard have there been? Five. It, it, Sarah, Five. I just want to say one thing. Okay. You might want to ask Jamie to watch it first. To go back to watch Voyager about three episodes of Voyager. Okay. Specifically, the ones where Seven of Nine adopts her teenage son before mm-hmm. you watch it. Okay. It it okay. will it will have a greater emotional impact. Although, if you don't, I don't need a greater emotional okay, impact. That's then, why I put then I would not it, do that. This week, <laughs> I sensed that this week was gonna finally be like bam, bam, emotions, and so I was like, Jamie, I'm just I'm not ready for it. We're not going to record about it this week. In. I'm not ready. Don't let them see. Uh, <laughs> no joke. Yeah, conceal. Don't feel. Surprise. Conceal. Don't feel. Oh, Just my goodness. Hey, do you guys know anything about Farscape? Nope. No. Okay. Because I've been, you know, I know that I mentioned The Dark Crystal a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Still an amazing show. You must watch it. It's so good. It's a Henson project. When have you ever not liked something Jim Henson did? Um. You put that hand down, you filthy animal. Not Sarah. She's perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the guy with the dirty gray beard. That is true. Um, Oh, my goodness. But they uh, (laughs) – but I I was hearing about Farscape, and I was like, I really want to hear about – I want to learn about that. But it's it's hard to find. Unlike the Muppet stuff or the Dark Crystal stuff, Farscape Mm -hmm. is hard to get a hold of. And so – it's like not really streaming anywhere. Like that's really accessible. I don't want to just have to buy hundreds of episodes. That's you know? how I feel about Avatar: The Last Airbender. I can't find mm-hmm. it to stream anywhere, and I want yep. to. But speaking I don't want to buy uh, all the DVDs either. Like, speaking ooh. of streaming, uh, Clone Wars final season dropped last night. Really? Oh my gosh! Clone Wars is so good. Well, is that the one where they like had a final season and then they were like, no, we're bringing it back and doing more? Yes, because this entire okay. season is concurrent with Revenge of the Sith. Wow. So it's actually during... I have to back up on that. They're, they're exactly the same time frame. And this, oh season, this season, unlike 
unlike all the other seasons, this season will actually happen, as I understand it, chronologically. Okay. Did the previous seasons not happen chronologically? None of them are in chronological no. order. No, they kind of pop there around. There are episodes from like season four that happen in the middle of season one. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it really. I'm supposed a, to know that as a, I watch it. There's a chronological <laughs> guide to watching Clone Wars, but it's not in the release order. Well, how am I supposed to know that? I guess I'm telling you now. Well, well, I say, son. Okay. (laughs) Um, one last other Star Wars thing: the Baby Yoda animatronic is for sale on Hasbro.com. Is it five hundred dollars? They will not ship until December fifteenth. Why? They're really dragging this crap out, man. They really are. The internet moves so fast. Will Baby Yoda even be relevant on December 15th? Well, I think when the second season of Mandalorian drops in September. Yeah, you're right. All right. They're booking on that. Yeah. Yep. Guys, I wanted to mention this thing. I know we got to jump off in a minute, but I I, want to mention this thing. Are you familiar with the YouTube channel Smosh? No. Yes. Yes, I am. Sarah, you are? I knew it because you're millennial. Of course I am. Yes. Listen. Herna. (laughs) You'll hate Smosh. You um, that sounds right. Is it, really a, is, is it a TikTok it thing? I hate Smosh. It is not a TikTok thing. Okay. That's no. um, so listen. Smosh, because I was, just as I was walking down the hill today, I've been watching a lot of Smosh videos lately, but as I was walking down the hill to come and uh, record this podcast with y'all, um, I was thinking about all the places Vocal Fry has been um, and reflecting on the idea that Vocal Fry is built on friendships. Um, and I love that. Uh, friendships uh, and people just being their their goofy nerdy selves so smosh it was one of the first it was one of the first youtube channels ever okay and it was just two it was it was like it was like 13 years ago okay wow it was just maybe all no closer to 15 years ago it was 2005 um and they um they were they just were two 18 year 17 18 year old kids making stupid videos about nothing okay and their videos, there, there was like a video where they lip synced to the Pokemon theme song, okay? <laughs> and it became, they got, they were one of the first channels to ever get ad revenue from YouTube. And it was a big thing. They became the biggest YouTube, cha- they were the most subscribed YouTube channel for like years, okay? Um, they got bought by a huge corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some stuff changed and then the corporation went under. Yep. Uh, and, uh, then they got bought by Rhett and Link of Good Mythical Morning yeah. and uh, for $10 million. And, um, now they're, they're kind of beginning anew. And I don't know, I was just thinking about that and I was like, well, I hope one day Vocal Fry, I don't want Vocal Fry to be bought by an evil corporation, but if it does, I hope we get sold for $10 million. <laughs> if Google, Apple, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, um, or Apple? Disney would like to buy the Vocal Fry podcast, we are officially for sale at the price of $10 million. Oh, yes. Yeah. But oh, yeah. all the right there. Sarah and I, um, we'll split it three ways, the three of I'm us. I'm fine. Yeah. We'll happily. <laughs> Listen, I'll take 10% at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a generous man. No. <laughs> But my, my point is this, is that I was just like thinking about that and I was like, you know, like 
those guys really, I'm not saying we'll all be millionaires, but there's great value in being yourself, you know, and just doing something you love with the right people. And I don't know, I just love you guys a lot. And, and I love, I love these conversations. And, uh, yeah. So if, if you're interested, if people, if you're interested in 13 year old boy humor and, uh, relational drama, let me tell you, like, like great, like a tragic story, a tragic, tragic, a true story epic, um, of, of relational drama of two best friends making something because they had horrible lives and needed something to laugh at. So they decided to laugh at each other and let other people laugh at them. Watch, look at, look at the history of Smosh. You will love it. Smosh, S-M-O-S-H. Smosh, if you'd like to, if you'd like to sponsor the Vocal Fire podcast, we are currently valued at $10 million. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was our current market valuation. Yes, we're going public today. This is our IPO. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. uh, my, Michael, can we sing the theme together since you're actually here to sing the, the, the breakfast theme with me? Oh, my God. Sure. Here, Here we, we go. go. What, what did, did Sarah have for breakfast? breakfast? Okay. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> I know you're going to be shocked that it was muffins. It was lemon poppy seed muffins. Again, that's my Saturday breakfast a lot of times because it makes me happy. Did you have Saturdays. a cup of coffee happy. with it? Yes. I had the really good, like the counterculture coffee that I really like. Because I, I let myself, mm, good. I enjoy that on Saturdays as well. Because again, Saturdays are happy days where I'm not up at 5.30. I can sleep till, well, basically when Aria decides it's time for me to get up. Because this morning you... I tried to ignore her and then she hopped on me. So then I was definitely up. Do you guys put cinnamon in your coffee grounds? No, I, I haven't tried that. I have some friends who swear by it. I think it tastes pretty good, but it, I prefer just like, black nasty bean water you know like in the most beautiful way you yeah. know in the most beautiful way uh Speeves and i drink uh coffee as black as our soul or something i don't know i mean yes yes dark. i put so much creamer that like the real question is is it actually still coffee yeah sarah prefers a stone washed uh <laughs> coffee. it's a really pretty color um, got some uh, wall Got some exciting news about a program I'm going to do next year. Um, going to do it for Mississippi Opera. So there will be some stuff coming up about that in a few months. Uh, exciting. Once the, once the season's up, um, doing another solo cabaret kind of thing. Um, so Awesome. Uh, did you, uh, did I, Nick, did I mention that I bought, quote unquote, breakfast biscuits from Kroger? Um, yes. But they were the Kroger brand, and guess what they say on the box? Cookies. Look, look. Breakfast cookies. They look, say I breakfast cookies. I never bought anything that says breakfast cookies. They sell those in non-Kroger brand, and I don't buy those. I buy breakfast biscuits. They say biscuits <laughs> on the box. Vocal fam, if you go back to season one, there were many a conversation with bad audio about whether biscuit breakfast biscuits were biscuits or cookies they say biscuit on the box they wouldn't lie about that kind of thing that's like against the law they would if they get if they get if they would if they get like young young women who want to eat breakfast they feel justified eating cookies for breakfast to do it no, no, no. I'm pretty sure there are laws against false advertising. So. <laughs> no, they're not. No, yeah, not. yeah, that's a thing. You can't just go around doing that kind of thing. No, I'm, yeah, I'm People do sure. it all the time. I'm pretty sure I... The I, entire... I, 
fitness and exercise and nutrition industry would not exist if it weren't for false advertising. That doesn't feel real. Fake news. Truly, they sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> throne of lies. Maybe. We're telling the truth, though. Go ahead. $10 million, people. Not, anyway. not, <laughs> we would never lie. Not we what was it, lie. Sarah? It's illegal, I'm telling you. Not what was it? Not crown of thorns? <laughs> oh, my dad, Game of Thorns. <laughs> Game of Thorns. Game of Thorns. Oh. What is my wolf girl? Uh, what are some of the names he came up with for these what? people? He called Tyrion the imp. Uh, when it, when I asked him, when I was trying to talk to my dad about watching The Mandalorian, it took me a while to realize that he wanted to watch it because he kept telling me that he had been he was going to watch The Mandarin. And I <laughs> <laughs> it was The Mandolin, and I was like, "Well, that's an instrument, so that's not it." Um, in a oh, in, that's really in a couple of months, like you know, late April. We'll need yeah. to do a Black Widow preview. Um, I I still am riding this bandwagon that that Black Widow herself is Taskmaster. Mm. I think I it's a really strong theory that there well. are going to be two Natashas in this movie. I would. Oh, like uh, like alter like uh, alternate universe Natasha's. No. No. Time travel. Same Natasha's. Ta- Natasha. Time travel Natasha. That could be interesting. So a young Natasha, and then like the Natasha from this movie. From, so from en- this movie, remember, happens between Civil War and Infinity War. Correct. Oh, okay. Okay, that's the actual time frame. But I think we're going to get that Natasha and falling off the cliffs on Vormir Natasha. That's what I'm that's what I mean, a younger Natasha. I, I could I could and, and then our kind of current It was a Reddit theory that Natasha. has gained a lot of traction. I think it's a pretty solid one. It could but be how, I, thought, I wouldn't poo-poo it. I mean, I could see it going either way. It could be really cool, but also like I don't know. I'm just kind of like, how does that happen? How does she not, you know? She does. She goes back and gets more pim particles. But how does she let, but she got thrown off and she dies. She injects herself, goes back, gets more pim particles, does the events of the movie, injects herself with more pim particles, goes back, he dies. goes back. I was gonna say it could so be a thing where you reckon. the planet of Vormir. Uh, no, I think no, the planet of Vormir. No time is passed. I think it's sort of a thing of like, well, what is it? Um, the space between two heartbeats. That's from something. Yeah, Doctor Who. Doctor, in the space between two heartbeats, you know, you can pause it. She can go back, and you have this limited amount of time to do it. But you recognize that you have to return to that exact moment. I could buy something like that. I could. I could buy it. So, All right. yeah. will, hold on. Let me. We're hey done. guys, we're about to turn the power off in this house. And we're done. Oh. I gotta go. Okay, but folks. I love y'all. Definite gotta go. Peace out, vocal fam. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.